0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
1: The best part of beauty is that which no picture can express. Francis Bacon.
2: Uh, So I packed in my, uh, my favorite suit and tie, and shoes included and when I got to the summit, I got changed at the top, I managed to hide myself so I didn't reveal anything (laughs) went to the top, I also had a can of beer, Um, so I went to the top of the summit, uh, dressed in a suit and a tie, I had a a lot of curious people looking at me thinking that I've took a wrong turn somewhere on some pub crawl. <laughs> uh, I got some pictures taken and a few people were coming up saying I have to take a picture of you. No one's going to believe what I've just seen. And I just stood on the summit, watched everyone do their thing, just taking in the, 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 the my surroundings and enjoying my drink very slowly. Uh, I think I was up there for about an hour and a half. It, it was it was something I'll never forget.
1: I'm Doc and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and Renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail, dirt bags and hiker trash. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin Mirror Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right. This week, we are traveling across the pond again to talk to one of our friends in the UK. Welcome to the John Freaking Muir Pod, Sean Owen. How's it going, Sean? I'm brilliant. Thank you. How are you? Fantastic. Now, in the the intro uh, here, I, I have have the uh, the terms "dirt bags" and "hiker trash." Um, do you guys use those terms over in the UK? No, I. When I read
2: the uh, the outlines, I've never heard of these. To be honest with you.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's not meant to be a uh, a term that offends. It's actually a tr- kind of a term of terms of a term of endearment with our long trail through hikers out there. They wear that. They wear that badge proudly of being a dirt bag or being called hiker trash.
2: Oh right, okay, yeah, that's definitely the first time I've ever heard that before. Mm-hmm. So it describes a hiker, then does it?
1: That's right. Describes a hiker and one of our uh, repeat customers here on the podcast, Ivy Tat Trail name Ivy Tat, uh, Jeff Oliver. He defined hiker trash. You couldn't get your your official hiker trash label until you have spent the night in a restroom on the trail.
2: <laughs> that's quite interesting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so when we get to the end by the time we get to the end of the episode maybe i'll ask you do you do you think you qualify as a dirtbag or hiker trash
2: so will i sleep in a restroom is that what you mean (laughs) well or other other uh similar
1: types of experiences out there
2: well i mean the only thing i'll sleep in outside the house is is a tent to be honest with you okay (laughs) um yeah
1: (laughs) all right also in the u.s we have this unique uh tradition of handing out trail names when you're out on the, uh, the long trail hiking trails out there and the trail name is usually based on uh, maybe your background, some kind of peculiarity you might have some mannerism or some funny story that you've been involved in. Uh, you know, for example, I talked to a young lady yesterday whose trail name was nugs short for chicken nuggets. Cause I guess <laughs> that was a, a staple of her diet. Yeah. And then, uh, she was hiking with, with people who uh, went by lady wipes uh flush and stinky pee so Jesus. You know, uh, yeah that's, that's quite, quite an assortment <laughs> of characters there uh, yeah so I, I know it's it's uniquely american but
2: uh, have you picked up a trail name out there in the um, uk th- th- like i said this is very different how you do things over there I, I find it very interesting that you can actually get yourself a nickname through doing hiking and stuff like that Um, but when I, when I made my Instagram, I, you know, I was trying to think of a name that would be personal to myself. Mm -hmm. And that's where I came across the name of being a hike addict because, you know, it, it spells out exactly what I'm into and what I do. Um, so that's the only name really, I could probably say on the podcast, I've been called worst names, but I think (laughs) hike addicts, what we will stick to.
1: (laughs) And and of all the possible addictions out there, that's probably one of the best ones to have.
2: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I am It's such a good hobby to be into. Uh, not to mention the benefits that come with it. It's absolutely, you know, it's life changing in a way. You know, that's a big word to use, but you know, it's it's a
1: yeah. It kind of it kind of shifts your whole perspective once you get involved in this uh, this activity.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I went hiking the first time. I was like wondering why people would be doing something like this, but until you try it or you need to try it, like have a a purpose in life where you need to find a hobby or something. um, You know, as soon as I got to the top, my whole perspective changed because all the way up there, I was thinking, why am I doing this? What is the point? This is ridiculous. Like, why do people do this? And when you get to the top, it hits you, you kind of get just rejuvenated with this, words that failed me and and then obviously the hike addict was born i guess
1: <laughs> nice now i've got a an occasional co-host on the podcast who go his trail name is chopper and chopper. he got his trail name when we were hiking in the sequoias and he uh he was at a place uh where he came down with altitude sickness and we were at an elevation where in order to get down we had to go over another 12,000 foot pass. And so he was kind of stuck in between 12,000 foot passes. And the only way to really deal with altitude sickness is to get down lower than where you are. Yeah. And so we, we actually had to uh, talk to the ranger uh, out there and he called in a helicopter and he was, he was uh, evacuated via helicopter. So that's a great way to, to earn your trail name there. Chopper. jesus
2: yeah let's hope it was legit and he just didn't want to uh walk down and he was being lazy <laughs> right
1: yeah he was he was in a world of, a world of discomfort and i was a little bit envious that his ride out of the park was going to be a lot shorter than mine so
2: damn i've seen um a movie with things like this and it's quite a scary thing did you say that you were with him
1: yes yeah my son and i were with him
2: that yep. must have been quite um distraught to, to be a witnessing something like that you know feeling helpless and um while being in the situation where you said you were kind of stuck in between the the peaks right trying to get down
1: and luckily there was a ranger station probably about uh three quarters of a mile down down the trail and my son was able to run down there and get the get the ranger and bring him back
2: oh god that's very lucky
1: yeah yeah we were fortunate but as as he, I was I was a little disappointed because I thought they were just going to like uh, strap him to the skids of the helicopter and, and carry him on. that way. But no, they, they put him inside the helicopter. So That was a bit
2: disappointing. No, oh, <laughs> I've, I've I've been a a part of one rescue myself. When well, do you want, do you want me to tell you? Oh uh, sure, a, yeah, yeah. The, the, I was going up one of these uh, mountains called Kribgoh, which is the the knife's edge, and I seen a seventy five year old gentleman with another friend. And they were arguing about trying to get down because they didn't want to be where they were. And I tried to help them. And I said, once you, you, you're you on top of here, you need to get across it. There's no way out. There's no shortcuts. You have to take the whole trail to the end, obviously, because is a knife edge. You know, you cannot go down either side. Um, the gentleman uh, fell. Uh, he must have fell about uh, 10, 12 meters Oh, no. And I thought it was goodbye because of the the how the the mountain is. Uh, how is that how the mountain is? Uh, I had to phone the uh, the air rescue to come and get him. And it took a long time for them to get to us. And It was not a nice thing to witness. Um, But it's very nice to be able to help people who are in situations like that, because you never know one day it could be you. You know, accidents happen. That's so right. it's it's always good to be respectful of the mountains you know it doesn't matter how many times you go up you can never be too cocky with with the, the, sur- the surroundings and stuff you know mm. how many times have i tripped on a on a flat ground around the high streets and stuff compared to this the mountains you know touch wood that hasn't happened yet but um yeah he was put inside the helicopter as well <laughs> wow and
1: i think that's one of the one of the reasons why the hiking community is so positive and supportive is they know that they're, they there's at any given moment, I mean, they could be the next one in yeah. trouble. And so I think everybody just, uh, is really supportive out there, which is, which is fantastic.
2: Yeah, exactly. We're all into the same thing. We're yeah. all doing the same thing. And you know, everyone deserves to go on a hike and go home to so their family's safe.
1: Right now, Sean, have you listened to the podcast before?
2: I have not. known. I'll be honest with you. I haven't, but I think I might do now because I want to be, uh, I want I'm interested in hearing what other people have got to say. Okay.
1: And that's okay that you haven't listened to it. I, I only ask, cause I want to make sure that you are aware of a segment towards the end of the episode called the pro tip inside of the week. And that's where I will turn to you and ask you to share some hiking wisdom with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. So don't be surprised. Okay, cool. All right. The must bring gear review. Oh, that's my daughter, Half Calf, uh, telling us that uh, we've got a segment called the must bring gear review, sponsored by the ultralight backpacking gear company, Six Moon Designs. Before I get into the uh, the script on this, uh, you know, she like she's American, of course, but she she likes to pretend to be. I don't know if it's English or uh, um, South African or Australian. I don't think she's she's sure what the accent is either. But how did that hmm. accent sound? What 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 uh, what? what country do you think that's from uh, are we able to play it again oh absolutely you kind sure of
2: shocked me with that one i was a bit
1: surprised <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're high tech over here hang on yeah here yeah
2: go. here we go the must bring gear review what do you think that, that's a difficult one I, I, <laughs> could, I could say it was a bit of the uk but there's a bit of a, a twang of something else going on there you can tell there's american there but you know this there's, there's definitely an accent put on <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. I'll let her know. I'll let her know that you said it was it was <laughs> difficult to interpret where that came from. So yeah. I, I, that's, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> All right. So the must bring gear review, here's how it works. Um, let's see. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Sean, what is your must bring piece of gear out there?
2: I have one question. Does this include uh, food and water or is this uh, purely main on clothing and equipment?
1: Uh, I I let the guest take it wherever he or she wants to take it. So it's up to you. Yeah.
2: Well, I always, I always, my main thing when I pack my, my bags or if I was to have someone pack my bags is to have plenty of water. And that might sound very boring, but I've been in many situations where you think you'll be fine with a a certain amount of water. Um, but you start getting cramps and not feeling too well and stuff. It's always, you know, it's always good to have something like that. Um, I mean, it's very difficult. If you were to pick one item, um, it is very difficult because on the mountains, you you need to have plenty of options available and be ready for whatever can happen. You know, even on the colder days, you still need your water. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, I would probably pick food. You know, you've got to have uh, certain types of food. Um, I've had, uh, I I suffer from migraine aura and if my sugar levels and uh, being tired and being exposed to sunlight, um, I can have like severe migraine headaches and I lose my vision. So the only way I can describe it is if someone was taking a photo of you with a flash on the camera, you have that kind of blotchy blurriness in your eyes for a few seconds. Um, I've had this happen to me on a mountain once and it was not, not good. Luckily, I had two girls with me, and one of them had um, a specific uh, a specific uh, suite that I had. Mm-hmm. And less than 10 minutes later, my vision came back and my headache had gone. and it, it really, you know, it, it shook me up a little bit being in a situation like that. I haven't quite often, no I haven't, but once or twice a year, but never ever have I experienced it on top of a mountain. It was a sunrise walk so I'd been up since two o'clock in the morning right. I'd gone to bed about midnight um, So this is why I always think that you know food and drink is very important uh, when when you do these. Now, Sean let me, let me
1: clarify something here you you say that this is brought on by when you're tired and exposed to light Yes yeah you have you have picked hiking as your addiction seems little seems a little, uh, seems a little uh, nervous, nerve-wracking to me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I have plenty of um, reasons how it happened. So I now know how to avoid it with experience. Got it. Uh, so, you know, uh, it was a sunrise, like I explained. I probably had about an, one hour sleep and doing such extreme sports to get to the top in order to mm-hmm. see the sunrise. Otherwise, if you don't make it to the top in time, it's all for nothing.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: um, and not having the, the correct breakfast because it's, you leave the house about two o'clock in the morning. So it's very difficult but now I know, you know, to pack my bags accordingly, just in case anything like that comes again.
1: Right. Now on the hikes that you're doing in the UK, are there water sources available on your hike, like streams or lakes that you
2: can? No, filter water. There are some. I don't have a filter water bottle, to be honest with you. I mm-hmm. end up carrying uh, quite a bit large uh, bottle of water with me. Um, even if i don't drink all of it it's it's quite heavy in the bag you know you can get these yeah. camel packs that you, you know, I don't know if you mm-hmm. call them the same but you can just yep. have a straw out of your bag and drink it as you're going um, i think that's probably going to be one of my next uh, equipments i'll be getting because um, there's nothing worse than having to unzip your bag get a big bottle out and then gulp it on the side of a mountain like that
1: <laughs> yeah you could also you know just carry a five gallon container of water in your hand <laughs> as you go that would that would uh, that would help. yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be very useful. <laughs> it's, it's five gallon <laughs> Uh
1: Only only by the biggest and strongest men out there. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't recommend it.
2: No, I'll <laughs> try anything once, I guess. <laughs> I won't get All far. All right.
1: Okay. On to our next segment.
2: It's the hiking pole.
1: The hiking pole, but it's not P-O-L-E. It's P-O-L-L. This is a seven question survey that's going to help me to, to uh, assign a, a sanity level to you on a, a scale of one to a hundred with 100 being completely sane and one being completely bonkers.
2: Well, this is going to be exciting.
1: Very exciting. <laughs> this is, this is one of my favorite segments. Uh, any inclination of how
2: you're going to score here, Sean? Uh, I'm going to say on the lower side of 50. A, a lower than 50. Okay. L- the lower side of 50. Uh, I, okay. I, I think so.
1: Okay, now these seven questions—I've changed it up a little bit. These seven questions have nothing to do with hiking, actually. This is oh. kind of just questions from your regular life.
2: Okay, all right. You okay, ready for yeah. this? Yeah, yeah. Thought I might okay. be on the the higher side of fifty now. Then <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I'm sensible when I'm not hiking. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good to know. Well, I'll be the judge of that. Here we go.
1: Okay. Do you sleep with your socks on? No. No socks on, on when you no. sleep. Got to no. let those feet breathe. Yes. Okay. All right. So far, so good, Sean. No no major point deductions yet. <laughs> All right. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
2: Yes, of course it does.
1: a boy. I knew I liked <laughs> you. I knew I liked you. Very good. You're you're, you're at 100 still. You haven't lost any yes. points yet, Sean. That's good. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, do you roll your toilet paper over? Or under, or it doesn't matter?
2: It doesn't matter, but I've heard this mm-hmm. before, and it's supposed to go under, apparently. Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me That's make an a awkward note. question. Well, l- let me make a note here. <laughs> okay. All right. How do you pronounce the acronym G-I-F? It's GIF. GIF. Yes. Not not GIF.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, as in the, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's gif, as in the gifts that you send with uh, little movies things on, right. on. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. Gifts.
1: Yeah. Gif or gif?
2: No, it's gifts. Definitely gifts. Definitely gifts. Yeah. You, you caught me out there. Where I wasn't, <laughs> yeah. I wasn't listening to the question too, too good. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely gifts. Send me gifts any day. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: Uh, question number six. I'm sorry. Question number five. Cats or
2: dogs? dogs 100%. Do you have a dog? I do, yes. He comes hiking with me all the time. I don't think I could take a cat with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be interesting. That would be yeah. a good luck. Yeah. I have it I have it on a leash. Yes. Get looked that pretty strange. <laughs> yeah, and cats have a mind of their own. You probably be yeah. dragging that cat for a couple of miles. Oh, I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and while we're speaking of dogs, I am I am stuck babysitting my two grand dogs, uh, my son's dog and my daughter's dog. And right now they're, they're laying on the bed and they're not moving. They're just kind of listening in as we're, as we're doing the interview here. But I apologize to our listeners and to you, Sean, if, if uh, the doorbell rings and they go nuts. So we'll be <laughs> for that. Pre-warning. Okay. My dog's Sean- the same. Yes. Yeah. Sean, do you, do you use the Oxford comma? Um, I'm not too sure. Okay. So in this sentence, how many commas should there be? The American flag is red, white, and blue.
2: Red, white. I think about two.
1: Okay, then you do use the the Oxford comma. The Oxford yeah. comma is, is that second comma in a simple series. Yes. Okay. And last question. Big point deduction here. Possibility, so be careful. <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich?
2: Uh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a sandwich. In, in in our country, you can have a sandwich or you can have a hot dog. A hot dog is a complete different, separate thing. It's it's in a league of its own in our country. Definitely, I know what you you're going to say. It's a sandwich. I think in our country, a hot dog and a sandwich is completely separate. Well, I think it's highly debated both in
1: the UK and and over here because you know there yeah. are people who would absolutely 100% agree with you. Yeah, uh, over here as well. What is your it's definition? What is your definition of a sandwich?
2: This is what I was going to say. Now it's it's bread and meat, which is exactly what a hot dog is. So that is definitely a, a very twisty question because you're absolutely right, but I'm going to have to go with the wrong answer because it's like I said, it's in a completely league of its own, and it's not just a hot dog, but it's a hot dog which is completely separate for us. Okay. Yeah, as
1: long as long as you justify your answer, it's you know. I mean, yeah, everybody has their opinions, but you know, I can yeah. still call you a little crazy.
2: Yeah, all <laughs> I, right. I, I agree with you. It is one hundred percent a sandwich because it is exactly what a sandwich is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you go into a
1: restaurant and you you see on the menu sandwiches, you wouldn't expect to see hot dog underneath no. that that listing of sandwiches.
2: No, I would not know. Do you mm-hmm. have that in your country? Is it is it is it like that there or? I think I think
1: it is it is uh, hotly debated. I think yeah, uh, I think most people would say that that a hot dog is not a sandwich.
2: Yeah,
1: and then and but there are others who who get they really parse the language and the definition of you know what is a sandwich and and they come to the conclusion that
2: yeah, a hot dog I think is that's a, a very good question to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. That's it's a it's a, I mean, it's a we, tricky we one.
1: Spend- we could spend the whole episode debating this topic. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the hiking pole. Let me do some quick math here. I need to carry the three. I'm going to divide by the root of 2 I'm going to multiply by pi. And we're going to adjust for the temperature at the top of Snowden. And you come out with a very solid and respectable 83. Oh, I'm happy with that. Congratulations. That's, that's mostly sane.
2: Thank you very much. That's good to know. Okay.
1: <laughs> All right. Now moving on before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. Uh, We'd love to hear about your background, where you grew up, what kinds of sports and hobbies you played uh, as a kid and and how did you get involved in hiking? Was this an activity that your parents uh, took you out to when you were growing up or how did that all come about?
2: Uh, Well, I was in a 10 year relationship. I have uh, two autistic children and um, having focusing all my time and energy on my family and things not working out. Um, I had to, uh, well, I had to leave the house and I had to go stay at my mother's house for a few years to get back on my feet and work on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that my friends have families and commitments themselves. So I had to find a hobby where I would be able to go and do on my own. Um, mountains at the time was just a mountain. I would see pictures of people up the mountains all the time and I would think, get a life like it's a mountain there's nothing special about it what's the big <laughs> deal yeah it looks nice but it doesn't interest me at all and uh, one day I decided to go up and as I explained it was not the ideal conditions the visibility was poor it was it was wet it was just horrible but I really enjoyed the the pushing the adrenaline the the, the sense of achievement it it just felt like I belonged there. I was, you know, there wasn't many people around, so it was plenty of times to kind of defrag my mind and just to kind of absorb my surroundings and the beauties, give me plenty of time to think about things. And then, you know, when I struggle physically and stuff, it's, it's nice to be able to process some negative uh, stuff that's going on in the mind. And, being able to process it into physical energy. So rather than being angry with anything, I would let it out and it would help me push myself to to get to the top. You know, I would always be running scenarios of things in my mind that would help me get to the top. It was all for nothing, but it's, it was for me. And it worked for me. You know, it was something that would put a big smile on my face. And when you walk down the mountain after that, you just feel like a complete different person, it it just feels so medicated and, you know, I, as I keep saying, the words fail me how it makes you feel. You have to be in my situation in order to appreciate the goodness that that the hiking did to me. And, you know, after that, I just absolutely fell in love with it and I was intrigued to go up again in in better weather to see what was actually surrounding me on the summit as I couldn't see anything. The views were just nothing. So I was very intrigued to go up there on a sunny day to see what was around me and, you know, it did not disappoint.
1: All right, couple things I want to follow up on here. Number one is I'm always amazed to hear about people's first hiking experiences, especially when they go bad. When something something wrong happens, they're they you know they're hiking in the wrong kind of shoes, their feet are killing them. <laughs> uh, they they're expecting this great view and they get up there and there's there's of course no view because it's it's all cloudy and foggy. <laughs> um, and yet, despite that, despite that miserable first experience, they continue to go out there again and again. And I think that is just a, a a testament to kind of the the power of the outdoor experience has for us.
2: Yeah. I I think different different conditions, different seasons is a different hike. Even though you're on the same mountain, it's always good. You know, it's easy enough to do something on a perfect day, but nothing challenges you more being able to see things. You know, I've, I've been up there at nighttime and stuff like that. And being at the summit on a clear day on a nighttime, it just looks like you're if you're looking out of an aeroplane window, but you're not moving, you know, I like to think, Oh, what what does it look like when it's snowing? What does it look like when it's dark? What does it look like when it's poor visibility, perfect visibility? There's so much different weather conditions that can change the views. And I want to experience them all. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job, you know?
1: Yes. And I think we may have stumbled upon the, uh, the title for this episode. I'm always on the lookout for a good title. And when you, when you said that you saw people climbing mountains and you just slapped yourself, get a life. Yeah. That might, be, that might be the title for this episode. That's, that's a good one. Get a life.
2: <laughs> get a life. <laughs> yeah, that sounds John good.
1: John Owen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: no, that sounds really good. Yeah. Okay. Now we skipped over the part about your childhood. Where, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Wales. I've always lived in Wales. Um, I'm from a, a beautiful uh, island called Anglesey. Um, literally surrounded by beaches and it's only 15 minutes away from Snowdonia and which brings us back to get a life that I didn't actually start hiking until 2019 so I was well in my 30s and my only regret is not doing it sooner
1: (laughs) right now you live on an island is it connected by a road
2: yes it's connected by two bridges okay to the mainland yeah but nice. I moved away from there just over a year ago just to be closer to my children and to work.
1: Okay. Now, English is your second language? It is, yes. And you speak Welsh?
2: I speak Welsh first language, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> you want to say a little something in, in Welsh for us? Maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe tell us about uh, about where you grew up.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, well, um, that's a bit difficult, this one. You caught me off guard now. Do you when what is mean? Uh, that means I'm from Anglesey. Um, I've lived there for 30 years, and I'd love to go back there.
1: <laughs> okay, it
2: sounds very poetic, as
1: opposed yeah. to as opposed to the 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 American accent with the English language. Yeah, it's
2: completely different for you to hear, I suppose. Yeah. And were you an only child? I've got two younger brothers. Okay. And they're not into hiking at all.
1: (laughs) That was going to be my follow-up question. It's always interesting also to hear, you know, how, how uh, maybe one, one of the children or two of the children take, take to the outdoor experience and the others don't.
2: Yeah. No, I'm the, I'm the insane one. They're the sensible one. One's into fishing and one's into cycling. Okay. Um, there's
1: a a commonality there though of outdoor activities out
2: yes outdoors yeah yeah. it's nice Mm -hmm. to get out you know i I guess it is it's a good it's it's a good thing to go out nothing worse than being indoors all the time i suppose but i work Mm -hmm. outdoors so i'm always outdoors i just like being outdoors yeah now when you were a young lad did you have any
1: sports and hobbies that you were involved in
2: oh yeah i was big into my football i would be playing football all the time Oh, yeah. uh, so- soccer. Is it for you guys?
1: That's right. Soccer. So-
2: soccer. Yeah. I was, yeah. Big into my football. Um, you know, I did a lot of sports in school and stuff as well. I'd uh, be running cross countries. Um, I was a big fan of cricket as well. It's a, it's a very fun sport to play, but I wouldn't say it's a fun sport to watch. <laughs> <laughs> you know,
1: there was a, there was a document documentary. Yeah, it was a documentary on Netflix a couple of years ago. It was, might still be on there. It was it was about uh, cricket in Mumbai. Oh, and it followed a team for an entire season. And I, I watched it. I was fascinated. I was hooked. Um, you know, do do you have cricket in your country? I think there is some some uh, amateur cricket that
2: happens in America, yeah. but I,
1: there's there's not a professional league. So you haven't played it before? No, I, I was a baseball searching- player.
2: Yeah, so I, I'd imagine baseball is your version of it. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more extreme, I suppose, yeah. Mm-hmm. Different rules, but same same aspect of the gameplay, I suppose. Um, we had something similar, but it was called Rounders. It was for girls. But low-key, between you and me, I, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be our uh, secret. I won't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was something about the uh, the ball and bat you know just being able to hit the ball just very good always you know success rate was pretty good and i'd always be picked first in the team in, in, in a primary school and yeah it was just yeah it's just a fun sport to play i guess
1: nice now football what, what position did you play
2: uh, i played all sorts like uh, i'm a person that won't stick to the same thing i like to, to have uh, choices and you know be out um but I would play uh, defense quite often because I'm left footed. They would be able to put me on the left side of the field, which would serve as a slight benefit, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, I did play for the local football team for about two years. Um, and then I got turned 18, got a driver's license. And then I was able to drink alcohol in pubs and stuff. Then And then sports kind of went out the window. <laughs>
1: it all went to hell from there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as soon as I was legal to drink, it was, it was definitely my hobby. But it's not classed as a hobby, I suppose. There's a lot of walking between pubs to pubs, I suppose. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) We call that the pub crawl, right? The pub crawl. Yeah. There was a bit of crawling uh, throughout (laughs) half the night after that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Now, are you left-footed and right-handed? I'm left-footed and left-handed. Oh, left-footed and left-handed. My daughter, my oldest, is not half-calf. Uh, my oldest daughter is left footed, right-handed. All three of my kids played, played football, soccer as well. Yeah. And she would all, she also be on the the left side of the field, either as a, a left, left defender or a, a left midfield. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she could serve the ball in with that, that left foot.
2: That's and it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Her, her trail name unofficially, cause she doesn't really go out on, on hikes. Uh, <laughs> I gave her the trail name of right angle. right angle right angle because her she in her senior year of high school Mm -hmm. uh, in a big tournament game that was the finals of of the tournament that her high school was hosting she broke her ankle and it (sighs) eventually her right ankle and it eventually had to be fused so her her right ankle is at a right angle damn but she she, she's doing fine now Um, i can
2: see why she's not much of a hiker now then that must be quite difficult (laughs) would not it (laughs)
1: it's just the uphill and downhill that's all she's yeah. fine on flat
2: <laughs> it's not the same but i suppose it's it's fair enough i suppose oh, yeah.
1: now my son is um he's a t te- so my right angle she's a labor and delivery nurse my oh, okay. son whose trail name is jukebox he is an english teacher high school english teacher oh and then my youngest one half calf uh she we're actually going to her, her college graduation tomorrow Oh she's nice. Gonna be, she's going to be an elementary school teacher.
2: Oh that's brilliant. But you're very excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun. Very oh. proud of all of them. Yeah. Um what what do you do to pay the bills? How do you finance your adventures?
2: Uh, I'm a historic mason, so I basically do some like stonemason work fixing castles and churches. Um a historic I, I,
1: mason. I, yeah. You know, of all the things I could have, I could have tried to have predicted, tried mm-hmm. to have predict what you were going to tell me you did for a living, and what would, I I could have guessed two thousand things, and you'd not one of them would it. have been an historic mason.
2: No, <laughs> yeah, I've been doing it since two thousand and eighteen. I used to work in offices and stuff, and I didn't like it because being mentally tired just wasn't for me. Um, I I got the job through agency. They wouldn't tell me where. The, the work would be just to turn up at this location and I drove past uh, the Conway castle and I seen the scaffolding all around it and I was, my adrenaline started kicking in. I got to the car park and I asked a gentleman if I was in the right place and if we were working on the castle and he says yes. And I was like, Oh my God. And you know how high castles are. We had to go up the scaffolding and it was very nerve wracking to get used to it. But I really, really enjoyed it. it, you know, being surrounded by by good people and, you know, having people to help you when you were stuck and just learning new skills. And it was something about it. It was just very proud to be a part of, you know, it's a grade one listed building, you know, the, the, the highest historical value and to mm. be a part of the conservation on something like that. It just, it was just such a buzz and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so and I've been did doing you it
1: know... Did you know when you were showing up what kind of work? No. Are you were sure of the location or you didn't know anything?
2: Nothing. They just said it was tedious work and that's it. Um, they never said that you would be like, you know, a couple of hundred feet in the air <laughs> looking at like people that are looking like ants. But you know, it was it was brilliant. And I think that's helped me learn to overcome a lot of my fears and stuff like that. having being at heights and just having to deal with it, you know.
1: Yeah, fixing the masonry at the top of a castle, you know, yeah. hanging, off, hanging off the scaffolding, I mean, climbing climbing stone That's nothing after that.
2: No, 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 exactly. So it, it has helped me quite a bit to, to find the balance in life with the being scared. You know, you've know, got to come off your comfort zone one day. Otherwise, you're not going to evolve. You're not going to enjoy a lot of things in life that require that kind of uh, skill, I, I, I'd imagine, or experience.
1: Now, this reminds me of a book. And I want to make sure I get it right here. So I am doing a quick search. Yeah. Written by Ken Follett, um, Pillars of the Earth. Have you read that one? P- p- no, I
2: haven't. I've heard of it though.
1: Yeah, Pillars it is. It is It is a fascinating story and it it follows generations of folks. And it starts with this one guy who his job is, he's a builder oh. and he, he is working back in, I don't know if it's medieval times but he's working on castles and designing them and and building them and it's uh just it's fascinating i mean it it covers you know with a book usually you would stick with one character throughout the book but this this covers like multi-generations uh through the years and i think there's a couple of of sequels to it to just keep keep going and it was uh really good and when you you told me that you were a historic and historic mason that it just made me think of that
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's pretty interesting. I guess I'll have to uh, look this up and find it. I've I've heard of it, like I said, but I'll have to look into it a bit more because it sounds interesting to have people that have come from the same background or walked the same path. I guess.
1: Yeah. So, what uh, what is your your favorite castle that you've worked on?
2: Oh, Jesus! I'm I'm gonna have to say the Connery Castle because it was the first castle I ever worked on, and there's something special about it. You know, it is so beautiful. And you cannot help admire how on earth they built something so perfect with the tools available to them at the time. Right. And to, to imagine that one point in their lives so that you would not be able to walk freely around that area without being in a sword fight or or any sort of you know having your life risk. But it, it just you, you you can't help but putting yourself a few eight, nine hundred years ago to feel what it would actually be like to be there there and then. Um, So it's very special to me. I worked on it for about eight, nine months, and it was just very fascinating. Absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah, life was a bit more dangerous back then.
2: Yeah, especially for a Welshman, because these castles are built by the English back in Mm -hmm. the days. Um, So now, obviously um you know we we have a a few laughs and jokes with you know with the english they're saying oh we built the castles and now you're fixing them and you know we have that banter you know there's nothing too extreme about it but it's it's just loads of funny stuff like soft play i I guess (laughs) Right, as long as there's nothing extreme i mean yeah well yeah 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 the history of the uk
1: is uh steeped in all kinds of uh conflicts
2: yes Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm certainly no expert, but I just know uh, from what I've, what I've studied and what I've heard and what I've watched, you know, the, the, the Romans, the, the Vikings, the, the, uh, the, the Scottish, the, the, you know, there's, there's just been all kinds of different conflicts there.
2: Yeah. It was certainly the wild, wild west once upon a time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Now I'm also intrigued that they told you, Hey, we're not going to tell you what you're going to be doing. We're not going to tell you, you know, what you're going to be working on, but it's, it's tedious. And, yes. and you said, okay, that's, that's good. That sounds, that sounds, sounds like right up my alley. Tedious. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah.
2: I like the challenge, you know, and surprises I used to like, but not so anymore because, you know, you end up in, in situations like this, <laughs> <laughs> they missed out quite a bit of uh, the information, but yeah, it paid off, I guess.
1: Okay. What are you currently working on?
2: Um I'm, I've actually, we, we do the stone side and we also have stained glass side as well. So we're currently working on, well, for the last seven months, I've been doing conservation work on stained glass for uh, Manchester Town Hall, uh, which is a, a city around here. Um, mm-hmm. It's a very uh, a big job. It's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a big opportunity for the company to be able to do that. So they, they just need extra hands on that side of the company at the moment. So it's interesting to, to know what goes on, on on the glass side, how they would repair, you know, church windows and stuff like that. You know, it's it's uh, very fascinating how it's done from from start to finish. And to be a part of that as well, it's, like I said, it's something to be proud of again. Yeah. Just having that skill and ability and learning new things, you know, it's fascinating to just see all sorts of aspects of conservation from stone side to the window side. Yeah, so it's, it's really good.
1: Nice. Now, speaking of Manchester, did I see today that, uh, was it Manchester United clinched Premier League championship? Oh, I, I I don't follow football as much oh, you, these days. What?
2: I know, I know, I know, I, but I am a Liverpool supporter. When, when Okay, was, I was going to
1: ask, which one was your team? Your yeah, Liverpool.
2: Liverpool uh, with my friends growing up, it was Liverpool or Manchester United. So when Manchester United played Liverpool, they would be, you know, it would be, pretty you know we'd wind each other up and one of us is going to lose which you know <laughs> it was kind of sore i guess but you know we, we were children and then we didn't like getting wound up so when our team lost it was never good yeah um yeah i just feel like a bit of proudness has been left but when we did win we won when we lost we lost but it was good because it wasn't the same team winning all the time so it, it would always be interesting always be interesting Uh, But they're not doing too well at the moment, I've been hearing.
1: Well, there's cycles. There's cycles. There's ups and downs. Yes,
2: exactly. Now, have you gone to any American football games? I haven't. No, it would be something I would love to do, though. I've only been to America once, and that was when I was about 14, 15. Mm -hmm. And that was in Orlando. Um, But seeing all these pictures, I follow a few people from America and, and seeing the mountains and the landscapes they've got there you know i i'm going to have to come and dip my toes in america once in my life uh, or maybe a few more times um, it would be very interesting to see what you guys have got there like i said there will be nothing compared to what we've got here so i'll be coming there with high expectations Okay. And I will be very tired halfway up the, the mountains that you've got around there.
1: Now, no, no offense to my listeners in Florida, but you can't, you can't use your one Florida experience and kind of extrapolate that to all of America. There's, there's a lot no. of different parts of America. I don't, don't, I don't want you to think that, you know, that, that is America, Florida, because, you know, occasionally there's some weird things that happen in Florida.
2: <laughs> I'll just specific? leave it at that. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just
1: leave it at that for right now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hey, we're going to take a quick break. we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Snowdonia National Park and uh, Mount Snowden and some of the adventures that you've had there. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the backcountry to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Six Moon Designs has been innovating ultralight backpacking gear for the past 20 years. With a wide range of products ranging from ultralight shelters to backpacks and accessories like their extensive line of trekking umbrellas, Six Moon Designs is sure to have a great piece of gear for your needs. With the company philosophy being that gear should aid one's experience, not define it. Six Moon Designs thinks the more time people spend outside the natural world, the better off this world will be. And remember, go wild, live young. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. We're talking to Sean Owen over in the UK. And, you know, we talked about your background, fascinating background. Love to hear that uh, historic Mason and the work that you've done there uh, really, really gets my my mind wandering. So I, I appreciate talking. You know, that's one of the great things about being a podcast host uh, that, that talks to people from all over the world, is I feel like I have friends everywhere now. And, you know, though we talk a lot about outdoor adventure, there's there's a lot of fascinating background facts in in. The lives of the people I talk to. So you're just an, a, a prime example of that.
2: Yeah. Well, I suppose as what you do, you're going to meet a lot of different people. And I suppose, you know, it's it's nice to be able to see or hear different stories and different backgrounds and stuff. And, you know, it's probably an, an interesting thing that you get to see all this and hear all this. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm even more intrigued to listen to the other podcasts now to see what other people you've been speaking to as well. <laughs>
1: you know, next time I'm in, I'm in Wales, can I crash with you?
2: Of course you can. Yeah. Yeah. No question. No doubt about it. Yeah. (laughs) You can make a list of all the mountains that you'd want to tick off your list and we can go and do them safely.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Let's
2: just hope the weather's on our side because Wales is not very good or very reliable with weathers. You're either going to be very lucky or very unlucky.
1: (laughs) Sounds kind of like the Sierras. (laughs) All right. Now in the U.S., Typically when you're doing any kind of multi-day hike there's usually a permit system required. You need to get you need to obtain a permit in advance before you show up. Is oh. that is it
2: similar in the UK? No, not at all. No. You just, just go out there and so. do it? Yeah, yeah, which brings a lot of amateurs and first timers who have seen mm-hmm. photos and want to try it themselves. And then that's where you get people going up in flip-flops with no bags and, and all sorts. And you just shake your head thinking that person's going coming coming off the mountain in a helicopter, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. We have a, a saying in the U S it's called you either win or learn.
2: Yeah. That's very
1: true. I, a I lot of learning to going that. On there.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> God, yeah. So
1: how many have you done? Is it customary for you to, to do multi-day hikes or are you kind of a uh, uh, up the mountain one day? up the mountain and back in one day
2: it's yeah it's up the mountain and down in one day um Mm. there are some days where i like to treat myself i will go to one area to do one mountain and then i will drive to a different area to do another mountain but they would be like the top five mountains that Wales would recommend to you it's nice to have the fitness and be able to do it well especially this time of year where we've got the daylight on our side it's just it feels better to say, "Oh yeah, I went to do Snowden yesterday, and then I went to do a mountain called Trevan." You know, rather than just doing one mountain in one day, there's something really special about being able to do more than one summit at the same time. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Uh, once or not twice, I've ever uh, gone up a mountain, come back down, sleep in a tent, wake up in the morning, and go do a different mountain. So you haven't been home at all. You kind of get a bit of the the wild feeling, and it's just something about that. It's really nice. It's like I don't know. It's it's words fail me once again. Mm-hmm. It, it just feels nice, you know, camping first time. Uh, it as as you'd imagine when you were a kid, you know, going camping in the garden would be exciting, right? And it'd be exactly the same as as being an adult on the mountains, <laughs> right? Now, are there any through hiking trails in in Wales or in the UK? Th- through hiking,
1: what do you mean by that? Sorry, through hiking. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of different terms here. So, um, through hiking is when you're doing a a uh, say a trail that is anywhere from you know 30 miles long to uh, 2,600 miles long, and you're doing it all at one time, and you're doing it over a series of days or months. You start yes. at the starting point and you end at the the finishing point.
2: Yeah, we've got something called the Welsh Three Thousand. Okay. Uh, which consists of the, the highest 15 peaks in Wales. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do it over 24 hours, two days or three days, depending on your fitness or your preferability. You know, some people want to take it easy, even though they could do it in 24 hours. They want to sleep somewhere on day one, you know, have a nice beer, have a nice meal, mm-hmm. enjoy the sunset, and then wake up in the morning feeling nice and refreshed and carry on casually walking it to the second night sleeping and vice versa, just doing the same again. And the third day being excited to finish your challenge, no stress, no, no pains, no cramps, you know, no issues with food and water. Uh, what people do is they park their cars at checkpoints. So you, if you're with three people, you park the cars the, the night before. Uh-huh. You jump to, the, next, to the, the camping spot, your car's nearby, you get your replenishments and stuff like that. And, I, and, and something about that is really exciting, being able to do it casually and just taking your time and absorbing everything and having the experience. You know, it, it's a story, you know, it's something really cool. But doing it that's in 24 right. hours, I can imagine it would be full of cramps, stressful times, making sure that you're on the right path, making sure that, you know, everyone else is is keeping up. And, you know, but that's the Welsh 3K, that's, that's a really good right. one.
1: Now I would not I would not refer to those people as you have described them. I would not refer to them as dirt bags or hiker trash.
2: What would you refer them?
1: To? I I, they, I would just call them hikers because hikers. It, it, like you said, they're taking their time. They're they're yeah. uh, you know no stress, no fuss, no muss. Yeah. Um, there is there are a few trails over in the U.S. that uh, stretch from Mexico to Canada. Jesus. So the Pacific Crest Trail goes from Mexico to Canada. It's twenty six hundred and fifty miles long.
2: Jesus, what's the average days for that? Oh well, well, yeah, I assume someone's it, done it from start to finish before. Yeah,
1: and so if if they're really pushing it, I mean, I, mean, I think the F, FKT fastest known time is somewhere in, well, I didn't even want to speculate, but I would think that a really fast time would be three months. Typically it's more like six months or longer.
2: Jesus, some people go and travel the world. Some people do this hike. <laughs>
1: that's right, that's right. That's oh right, and that's- God. That's where, uh, you know, they, you know, a few days in, they are in a a state of where they, they, uh, they smell pretty ripe, and uh, they look pretty, pretty haggard. And you can imagine at the end of six months, you know, what that does to a body. So
2: yeah, there's a lot of wear and tear on the body, I suppose. Yeah that margin you lose a lot of weight
1: (laughs) yes now so going it going from starting point to finishing point that's a through hike now some people prefer instead to do a section hike maybe their their jobs won't give them six months off to do this hike yeah Mm
2: -hmm. and so
1: they'll take uh time each summer i work with a guy who who's done done this and they'll hike a section of the trail each summer yeah and so then their goal is to eventually hike it in its entirety in sections and those are called section hikers Yes: And so he is currently, I think, in the state of Washington on his hike. I mean, not, not at this particular moment, but in, in all the sections that he has accumulated, he has, he has made it from Mexico. Uh, I think he's a few hundred miles short of the Canadian border at this point.
2: Jesus, that's pretty well, isn't it? Yeah Is that something that you think you would be interested in? You know
1: you start, if, I mean, you if you would asked me five years ago, yeah you know, was this, is this something you'd want to do? I'm like, I'd be like yeah, get a life. <laughs> Get a life. No, absolutely not. <clears throat> but the more I talk to people mm. uh, and I've talked to a lot of long trail through hikers, people that have done the the Pacific Crest Trail or the Continental Divide Trail or the Appalachian Trail. Um, and you know, you, you start to wonder, you know, could I do that? Could I yeah. do that? Do I, do I have what it takes to do that? It's almost like a challenge. And so it kind of yeah. like this little worm inside my head uh, gnawing at me.
2: Challenges are very exciting. You, you you cannot, you know, they definitely are. Uh, right. That might be a very very big challenge, and you know, you require a lot of commitment for something like that. So it's whether you'd want to do it or could do it, I suppose, isn't it?
1: Right. So let's let's get back to let's get back to Sean and Snowdonia. I know you mentioned Snowdonia was only what fifteen minutes away from where you are.
2: Yeah, it, it was when I lived on Anglesey. It was fifteen oh, okay. minutes. But, but now where I live, it's it's just under an hour. Where do you live now? Uh, it's a place called Rill. How do you spell that? Uh, R-H-Y-L. Okay. Rill.
1: Got it. Rill. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's about an hour away in, in Snowdonia. Is that your preferred location for hiking?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's it's my, well, I'd like to say it's my back garden, but it's not so much of a my back garden now of the distance. Um, it's because, you know, it's they have so many mountains around there. I'm taking my time to tick them off my list. I tend to do the same mountains over and over again, as I explained with different conditions and lightings seasons. Um, I like to perfect my mountains. So, you know, you do it over and over again. And then when you want to give other people the experience that, you know, that they're going to be confident with you going to take them because you've done it, you know, well over 10 times. And I just like to give the experience to people. Um, As I said, there's just so many mountains out there and I'll see something and I'll be like, what's that mountain called? And then that will be added to my list. Um, I don't just add anything onto my list. I have to look at it and I have to, something, it it has to call my name (laughs) basically. And then, you know, I'm always intrigued by uh, exploring and uh, finding other ones around, seeing other people's pictures, thinking, oh, that looks brilliant. Um, Ask them what the name of that mountain is. Ask for the relevant information for the parking and stuff like that, and then just go and do it. So I'm just taking my time. It's like going to I don't know uh, a roller coaster park, and rather than doing everything in one day, I like to take my time and and pick and choose for the time you know. Yeah,
1: adventure is is everywhere. I mean, yeah, and I, I like the way you put that. Is that you you see something and it has to call it has to call you has to call yeah. to you, and I think that I think that is a very um, relevant because in, in my neck of the woods, uh, the dogs are stirring
2: <laughs> In my it. neck of the
1: woods. I will see features in the terrain. I'll see a mountain off in the distance and I will, it'll, it'll, it'll wear on me. It'll, it'll call out to me eventually. And I'll, I'll have to do my research and figure it out. And then I'll go hike it. Yeah. Uh, earlier this year, you know, there is a, a drive in our area where if you look off of the freeway, if you look off of the highway, there's these this high mountain. And on top of this mountain, there is a fire tower, a fire watch tower. Oh. And you know, I think it's the only one in 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 our area. I've I've never seen any others. And I ended up doing some research and uh eventually I decided, you no, know, I've got to I've got to climb up there. I've got to see what this fire tower is all about. So very, very similar experience to what you're talking about there. That something kind of gets inside and 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 speaks to you.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's I think it's quite important to have something like that otherwise you're just doing something for the hell of it you know right. it has to mean something I don't know it's a strange it's a strange feeling but yeah I'm glad you get the same as well mm-hmm. always intrigued
1: <laughs> right now Snowdonia is a national park yeah yes how many do you know how many national parks there, there are in the UK
2: uh, I'm not too sure no okay I'm, I'm very ignorant towards other other parks I'm, I'm just focusing on Snowdonia even though I'd love to wander off and do the other ones uh, eventually? Mm-hmm.
1: Now we talked to uh, a, a fellow in the UK a little while ago. I think he was season season two, maybe end of season one. His name was PJ, and that was kind of his stomping grounds as well. He did a lot of hiking in Snowdonia and told us about some of his misadventures in in Snowdonia. And he was planning on doing the John Muir Trail which is part of what you see in my background here. The John Muir Trail is a subsection of the Pacific Crest Trail. So while the Pacific Crest Trail is 2,600 miles, the John Muir Trail is a smaller section of that in the Sierras that is 211 miles long. Ooh, that's still a big one. It is a big one. And I, I, I have section hiked it. I have, not done, I have not done the whole thing in one fell swoop, but I've done the Southern half three times, uh, which is about 125 miles from the middle down south to the top of Mount Whitney, which is uh, fourteen thousand five hundred and five feet. It's the tallest mountain in the lower forty-eight.
2: Jesus, I'm just googling these as you say in the names of <laughs> that. That Mount Whitney looks really, really nice.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's quite a it's quite a hike, but but like you said, once you're up there, you're like, okay, it's all downhill from here. You just gotta just gotta <laughs> walk down now.
2: Jesus, yeah. No, that is very fascinating. Maybe I shouldn't have looked at that picture. <laughs> <laughs> so when you come to the U S when you come back to the U S yeah. Uh, don't go to Florida,
1: come out here to California. Yeah. And uh, see, some, see some of these mountains out here.
2: Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a complete different ball game because I think it's California is the majority of the followers I follow that have these amazing national parks. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would definitely have to be with someone who's uh, experienced in this uh, kind of area that's what I like about what I do is if someone is not from around here, wants to come down and, and explore places without having to worry about the navigation, where the best spots are, it's nice to have a local person that can say, well, I recommend these, 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 and these, and I'll take you there. And right. you can just enjoy it much more. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah.
1: So, so Sean, Sean, I'm, I'm your, I'm your local guy here.
2: Yeah. So when, when, you, we can, when you come can out, let me local. know. Yeah. We can help each other.
1: That's right. That's <laughs> I right. I mean,
2: Fourteen thousand feet is it? Jesus! Yeah. yeah, that's like four times bigger than Snowden, which is the highest mountain in Wales. <laughs> wow! Now you you
1: have you've hiked Snowden. You've been you've summited Snowden quite a few times.
2: Yeah, I've just hit one hundred and two last week. One hundred and two. Congratulations! One hundred and two. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. It, so, what keeps calling you back to the top of Snowden? Uh, to be honest with you, I don't go to the gym. And I don't like cardio. And if I was to go to the gym and I was on the treadmill for 20 minutes, I'm probably going to go pack my bags and go home. Um, once I start walking Snowden, I have to get to the top. So, you know, it's my cardio. It's, you know, it's my gym. It's the prettiest gym I've ever been to. Um, there's something about it because of my first hike and the, you know, everything that led me to start doing Snowden. I will never forget you know that how much Snowden's has helped me and it is always my go-to mountain um the the experiences i've had up there the views i've had you know it's it's been you know i don't know if romantic is the word romantic views for one <laughs> but the the things i've seen the pure beauty of what nature has to offer you you know it, it's you know it's invaluable you know rich with experiences and these are the kind of memories i want to have for the rest of my life of just of just enjoying life and being happy and just making the most of the outdoors, you know, trying to explain to other people who are not interested in it. It's very difficult. And that's why I started my Instagram so I can show people what they're missing out on.
1: Yeah. And you and I spoke, I think off air, a little bit about pictures and how it has been your experience that, you know, you try and show these pictures to people that have not been out there and they look at the picture and they say, Oh yeah, that's nice.
2: It's and, just a mountain, you're just like, get a
1: life. Yeah, it's, it's a mountain, <laughs> get a life. And you're, you're saying, no, it's it's not nice. It is it is awesome. It is so uh, incredible. And yet it does not come across in the picture.
2: No, the photos do no justice at all. Right. I try to make videos as well. Does no justice. You have to be there in person to experience it at that very moment to take it in. There's just something about it where you just, you sit there and you're literally just looking at the display of what nature's showing you, you know, like the sunsets are the best because there's no better way of ending your day. Doesn't matter how stressful your day's been, you've gone up to the top and you're watching the sun go down and coming down as a different person with new memories and new photos to show other people what they've been missing out on. You know, it's this—it's it's spectacular. It's absolutely beautiful.
1: Yeah. One of my former guests had the best way of putting it. He said that uh, there is a, a certain frustration of uh, using a thousand word picture because a picture is worth a thousand words, right? That's yes. the thing. Using a thousand word picture to try and describe a million word location.
2: Jesus. <gasps> That's quite <laughs> intense.
1: Yeah. and I And others have said that they think that the reason pictures don't Quite capture the scope is because there is a certain emotion attached to your experience out there. Yeah, and so when you when you have hiked up to the to the top of Snowden, uh, you've got you've got a certain level of emotion uh, yeah. associated with that memory. And of course, when you're yeah. showing that picture to, to somebody else, they don't have that that emotion.
2: No, it's it's your reward for the hard work that you put right. in and the dedication for being up there at a certain time. You know, it's like watching. Um, these gladiator shows or you know these physical shows sitting on the sofa comfortable and you're like i could do that and it's like it's it's not the same because if you're not there doing what they're doing you can never really truly appreciate you know
1: conor mcgregor schmoner mcgregor i could take him
2: (laughs) no problem (laughs) hold my pint
1: (laughs) hold my pint great now you said you've done 102 summits of snowden
2: did yeah. you do anything special on the 100th summit? I did. I did. On my 100th time, I was trying to figure out a way that I would make it special and memorable for myself. Uh, so I packed in my uh, my favorite suit and tie and shoes included. And when I got to the summit, I got changed at the top. I managed to hide myself, so I didn't reveal anything. <laughs> uh, went to the top. I also had a can of beer. Um, so I went to the top of the summit. Uh, dressed in a suit and a tie i had a, a lot of curious people looking at me thinking i've took a wrong turn somewhere on some pub crawl <laughs> uh, i got some pictures taken and a few people were coming up saying i have to take a picture of you no one's going to believe what i've just seen and i just stood on the summit watched everyone do their thing just taking in the 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 the, the surroundings and enjoying my drink very slowly uh, I think I was up there for about an hour and a half. It, it was, it was something I'll never forget. And, you know, you think you've seen it all, but now you've seen me on top of the summit with this, with the suit on. So, you know, it's something that's going to stick with me forever and I'll never forget.
1: Yeah. Taking a, that, that would have to be a heck of a wrong turn during the pub call <laughs> to end up on the top of Snowden.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I have a few people commenting on my photo saying, you know, did you get lost on the way to the, we got something called the Chester races where you go, you dress up smart, you put a few bets on on the horses and you just have a good time. And people saying you've taken the wrong turn from there and <laughs> stuff, but, you know, I, I had to be different and that was different for me, I guess.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, there's the dogs. <laughs> okay. Hey, what, what, uh, what kind of, what kind of beer did you have? What was it? Uh, it was,
2: it was, it was a Stella Artois. You know, the Belgium people oh, are very yeah. good at making the beers. Yeah. You brought a Stella
1: up there. I nice. did.
2: Yeah. It's my favorite beer of all time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Hey, I think you referenced, um, the knife's edge earlier. Is that, uh, I, I'm going to do this no justice with my American accent. Go is on crib,
2: crib, Yeah. Ugh. The, the goch is, is red in Welsh. Because it. the it's got red in the in, in the rocks uh, and and crib is uh comb like a you know um, combing your hair so it's it. that's where it gets the the red ridge from so crib goch. um it's very ex, it's a very exposed mountain it's very dangerous a uh, few people do lose their lives every year on there. Um, accidents happen um, it, it's it's a very It was a mountain I was holding back on for a very long time. And I have a friend that is a mountain leader who was saying, you need to come up, I'll take you up on your birthday. And I was holding it back. To be honest with you, I was scared. I felt like I wasn't ready for it. Uh, And she took me up with another newbie that never done it before. And he had the same mentality as me. We were laughing and joking and keeping ourselves sane. Um, It was one of the best days of hiking I've ever had. And we got off the the side and we both said to each other, like, did you enjoy that? I says, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you. I was really, really scared, but I'm so glad that you came because we were able to laugh and kind of try to ignore the fear factor that was, you know, going, what we were going through. It was a bit of a poor visibility day as well. So we weren't able to see the drops. And then, <laughs> That's helpful. And, yeah, <laughs> it was very helpful. Yeah, yeah. So then we did it, like I did it again, two, three times. Uh, to a point I was interested in learning to be able to solo it and um, being able to solo such, something so dangerous. It's peace of mind. It was, you know, being calm in stressful situations, in, you know, scary situations. And I feel like that's helped me a lot in life because, you know, climbing mountains is, is exactly like life uh, and being able to just being calm and and not stressing, not worrying, just trying to be, you know it doesn't help being worried in situations like that you just have to get on with it you have to learn to kind of like keep focused and to try to just keep going you know
1: yeah there is there is quite a bit from uh, hiking and outdoor exertion that that does translate to uh, other parts of your life
2: yes 100% yeah i agree
1: you could take those skills and apply them to your you know your personal life uh, to your to your work life, uh, you know the 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 sense of uh, persistence and grit and and sticking to it and doing hard things. I mean that that's uh, if you're able to accomplish big things like that, I mean, yeah, it, it can certainly help you in other areas.
2: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I can highly recommend I can highly I can I can put my hand on my heart and say that the skills I've learned up there has really helped me to cope with a lot of things that go on down here. Mm-hmm. And you know, the crib, especially is that pause button in my life when things get out of hands. And you know, the fast paced life, it's nice to go up there and just press that pause button. You've got to come down, <laughs> one... you've got to come down at one point, but it's it's you know, it's nice to have a rest. Everyone, like everyone, deserves a break, and, and that's my break, you know. And people just wonder, why do you go up after work? Are you not tired? But then I'm like, well, you don't know what you're missing out on. I get the whole. Krip to myself you know it's very busy on the weekends and usual usually but it's just nice to be able to be in the middle of nowhere with not a single soul anywhere near you it's just a nice experience
1: yeah being out in the middle of nowhere with uh, just you and nature and not another living soul in sight uh, yeah really is a, a big recharge
2: yeah it just feels like you're in a dream you know and you're in control
1: <laughs> right now, have you done any guiding yourself?
2: I have not done any guiding. Um, I would love to to become a guide, um, but there's a few courses and stuff that you know re- re- you require to uh, become a mountain leader, and it's something I'd love to look into. You know, I think to have um, a Welsh person take you up these mountains, you know, in my home country. Is uh, that extra extra touch for you know you know someone from that country that knows the mountains very well who has done them uh, quite a lot of times? It's comforting, you know. Uh, I just think it's it would be nice to eventually start guiding. Um, it would be very interesting to get paid for doing something that I enjoy doing in life. Like as they say, you've got to find that balance in life, not you.
1: <laughs> right now, there is a, a there's a power in publishing. Uh, something like that, putting it out into the universe, speaking it into existence. So let's, Sean, let's, let's speak it into existence right now that you are going to commit to becoming a guide. Yep. Tell, tell all of our listeners that that's what you're going to do. So now now you've got that added pressure of now following through on that.
2: Yeah. uh, There's nothing more in my life that I would love to do than to become a qualified guide and to help others and to give people the experience and to help and show other people what they're missing out on nice. you know being safe on the mountains and not worrying about anything just let me show you the way you follow me and just enjoy yourself there's nothing more that i want other people to do than than that all right
1: now is there i i see in our, our notes here um uh, i've got something here about a charity challenge is there a charity charity challenge uh, coming up that you're you're spearheading
2: Yes, yes. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my uh, both my children are autistic. They go to a specialised school and they're raising money to get a cycle path uh, for the school, which will benefit the children, one, being outdoors, two, having physical uh, exercise. And it, it'll be an exciting opportunity for the children to have something extra in that school. Uh, so I've been raising money to be doing a challenge and the challenge I've decided to come up with was to do the Snowden summit five times in 24 hours. Um, it's, you know, if you've done Snowden before, then the the people will know how excruciating it is. You, you, you finish, you finish doing Snowden and you'll always have someone joking saying, Oh, I think I've left the car keys at the summit. We're going to have to go back and get them. But you know, for me, I'm going to have to go back up not once, not twice, but, It's something that's going to be, you know, it's going to be, it is going to be a challenge. You know, it's going to be a big challenge and I'm, and I'm uh, training for it right now.
1: Wow. Five times. How, how long does it take you to do it one time? Usually
2: Uh, there's different paths to go up there. I usually take the longest path, which is closest to my, it's a closer drive. So when I go there, it takes about one hour, 40 minutes to get to the top. And it probably takes about one hour, 15 to get back down. Um, Like I said, this is the longest path. Um, There are other paths that take about one hour, 20, but I'm going to have to find a balance between speed and endurance, making sure that, you know, you know, if I get one cramp, that's going to be threatening me on the second summit or third summit. Uh, I'm going to have to take regular breaks and just plan everything perfectly uh, I'm gonna have to have stash bags as well because I can't carry the whole food and drinks for the five summits in one go.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean having that that five gallon water container. That's, yeah, I that, think that's gonna be enough to carry.
2: Yeah, I think that's gonna be a, an option now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, hey, we wish you the best of luck. Is there any way that our listeners can can help support you in this?
2: Thank you how, very much. How would they, I, how
1: would they donate? Donate?
2: Um, I've got a, a link on my bio on my yeah. Instagram. Um, you know, there's already quite a few people that I've helped. Um, there's a lot of people that can relate to the stuff, you know, people with autistic children as well. And, you know, there's some very generous people out there who have you know, helped. Uh, there have been people out there who have backed me up and they they know that I can do this. Um, I have no doubt I can do it. It's it's not going to be easy, but I'd rather do this challenge than you know having to go through life with a disability. So this is my kind of thank you for my children. And you know my children are not the only one that's going to benefit from it and it's just close to my heart and it's you know when i get a challenge like this i'm i'm just so focused on it and i i gotta get it done and i'm going to be so proud of myself uh you know i'm doing it for them and i'm doing it for me um and that's what counts you know and who doesn't enjoy a challenge you know i've done some charity work before but this is going to be this is going to be pretty special for me
1: that's fantastic sean it's going to be awesome
2: Thank you, Sean. You know where we are. S- again, sorry. Do you know where we are? Um, no, I'm not too sure what you mean. Okay, are we we're not at the end. I hope. The pro tip insight of the week.
1: We we no. are approach we are approaching the end, but uh, we're at that time of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip, a bit of trail wisdom that you can share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better. What do you have for us?
2: To to enjoy the outdoors the most is. Stop complaining when you're walking up because when you get to the top, you know, you're going to, you know, it's, it's going to be what you want it to be. Um, take your time, enjoy yourself and absorb it. Take plenty of pictures, um, you know, go hiking regularly, have something to look forward to and never be scared of challenges and just always have something to look forward to on these, on these hiking trips take someone with you that's going to be keeping you company, you know, have fun, enjoy yourself. Uh, yeah. Just really, it's all about, you know, it's life while you can go up there, go up there. You know, you're very lucky to be able to go out and do these things. And like I said, I can't emphasize more on just enjoy yourself.
1: Enjoy yourself. Fantastic. So there you have it. That's it. This episode is just about in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Sean. I want to thank him for joining us this week. Sean, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures, including your challenge?
2: Yeah, well, everything I do, um, I can only keep uh, tabs on one social media at the moment, which is Instagram. My name on there is hike underscore addict. I keep everyone informed of what's going on, what my challenges are going to be, where I'm going to be, what I'm going to be doing. Uh, You know, I always let people know uh, where I've been. So other people will want to find out you know, where I've been so they can do it themselves, etc. cetera. Um, my challenge uh, information is all there as well. So I'll, I'll, I'll always be on the challenge. So there'll always be something to read on there. And I, and I post quite often and regular as well. So people can always see where I've been and what they're missing out on.
1: Okay. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And if you're feeling adventurous, Sean, you can always create a TikTok account.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've already got one. I've already got one. Uh, oh, okay. It was, it was a tough time through lockdown. So I had to find some way of entertaining myself. Uh, maybe I should make a new one. <laughs> nice. And
1: if you have comments or clips you want to share with us, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. The yeah, adventure yeah. media recommendation. Oh, thank you, Half Calf. Sean, I'm also looking to you to share a recommendation for a book, a movie, documentary, website, some kind of uh, adventure media to help our listeners stay connected to the outdoor adventures. Uh, We're calling this our Adventure Media Recommendation. What do you have for us?
2: Um, To be honest with you, the only thing I could recommend was I watched this program called uh, The 14 Peaks. Um, I think that guy is an absolute legend. The things you learn off that, the determination and the motivation that this guy has you know, it's all about being underappreciated, but then showing the world what one person can do. I found it, you know, it's one of the best things I've ever seen. And it relates to me in every way. Um, just seeing someone so determined and positive and just going for it, you know, no, no hesitation and actually reaching the goals and hitting the end game, you know, and just proving a lot of people wrong with a lot of things um i think is an important thing in life that you know that doesn't matter who you are you you can do you can do it
1: yeah nims die right nims die That's it. I th- yes i think, I think the uh, saying was impossible is nothing
2: yes exactly yeah. it's just it's just the word Yeah. You know?
1: so so inspiring
2: yeah so i really inspiring. enjoyed that yeah it was brilliant i was so disappointed that it finished i was hoping there was a lot more but <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant absolutely 10 out of 10 for that one i think
1: Nice. If you haven't watched it, tune in. All right.
0: What have we not asked you?
1: Okay. Half-Calf and her accent are just way out there now. Not sure what <laughs> where she's from on that one, but uh, before we wrap things up, I've got just one more segment for you called, what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell us about?
2: Um, you haven't asked me if I've been in any situations where I've thought maybe I'm in a bit of trouble here or, you know, something that's that's happened that's not gone my way. Uh, I've been in, in situations where I've, I've been going up the mountains. Uh, the weather's been promise, promising it brilliant. Um, I've got up to the top. Uh, the sun's gone down. I get my head torch out and the visibility is ridiculously low. Um, even though I've done these paths a lot of times, um, you know I don't get scared often, but I did get scared at this one point. And I wear glasses as well. So when the, the moisture in the air, the lights reflecting off the, the mist, uh, getting myself in, this, in a situation like that. And like I was saying before, being able to keep calm in situations like this, one step forward, is one step less to do, uh, having just keeping, keeping yourself, you know, nice and cool. And then when I got through the other side, I was relieved that I actually, uh, I got through, you know? Um, so it's very important to like, uh, be prepared, Because you have to have, you know, you have to be prepared for anything to happen. Um, Yeah, Uh, even the professionals mess it up sometimes. Uh, Yeah, I think that's really it. Yeah, Yeah, you
1: got to check the weather. You got to be prepared for what's expected as well as what's not expected. I mean, you have to be, you know, prepare prepare for any eventuality out there.
2: Yeah, because the weatherman's not always right. I've learned that a few times, you know.
1: I think they're only right about forty percent of the time, and you know, if I was wrong in my job for you know sixty percent of the time, I wouldn't be employed anymore.
2: (laughs) You weren't a weatherman, were you? No, no, (laughs) that's good. We could be friends. (laughs) Yeah, I never want to be in situations like that again. But obviously, having the right uh, the right gear and stuff, you know, we we got through what I got through.
1: Okay. Well, that is a wrap from the John Freaking Muir studio. Any shout outs to
2: friends and family, Sean? Um, no one specific. I just want to thank everyone that supported me from the start. You know, my account's not too old. Um, my account's gone pretty crazy. I've got a lot of loyal supporters. I've got a lot of nice people that follow me. And, you know, I just want to thank everyone for, for supporting me through all this time. And, and I really appreciate every single one of you, really
1: okay well thank you for tuning in always remember the trail is the trail it doesn't care if you want to go downhill it doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite it doesn't even care if you've packed your best suit and a stella the trail (laughs) is the trail embrace the sock
2: i love it that's brilliant